Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds from KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I'd like to thank all my listeners for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producer Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, senior editor Amanda Steele, author of The Ghost of Ghosts of Me, binaural production engineer Damien Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, Monthly co-host, Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. And if you are interested in becoming a contributor to this podcast, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you will find a whole bunch of information there on how you can contribute. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Tim Hacker uh, from the Cryptic Chronicles podcast. Thanks for coming on today. Hey there, uh, glad to be here. How's it going? It is going pretty good, man. So I was checking out your podcast, and it looks like you've covered a lot of similar type of topics that I've covered. Um, so I guess I was asking, like, how did you get started in podcasting? How did I get started in it? Yeah. What made you do this? Um, I've been listening to podcasts since 2004, I think. And um, listening to podcasts, especially on topics like the paranormal or just fringe knowledge in general, I I heard a lot of people always talking about information as fact and uh, putting a lot of their own biases in it. And um, I kind of wanted to just make a podcast that I wanted to listen to, which would give all the information in an entertaining way, while at the same time, not like, uh, you know, trying to push these uh these esoteric and ineffable ideas is like as fact because mm-hmm. i also saw that a lot of people would get like paranoid from it like other people who i knew who would listen to the topics and stuff so i just wanted to avoid that and uh, i also just wanted to be a podcaster for the most part ever since i can remember since it's been a thing awesome um so what are some of the esoteric topics that you cover um that you do not have like, i know for me i do have an opinion on certain topics that i cover and then there are others that i'm that i'm not sure of and i kind of try to approach those from like you know i don't know anything about this so i'm just going to listen to what this person has to say about it um so how, how do you stay like non-biased to all the topics um, I usually just present it as if it's um, if it's somebody that I'm just giving knowledge to, as in like a, a presentation in a professional manner, because I'm a supervisor for for people. So I'm used to like giving presentations and you just give the information. I do it in that kind of a style while still, you know, I sometimes do throw in my biases here and there. It's unavoidable. But for the most part, I, I just try and say it as if not even if it's coming from me, just expressing it right i know for me since i started my podcast i've learned a lot and um and it's changed my view on a lot of these paranormal supernatural subjects is that true for you too 
Oh man, I have been into this stuff since I was a kid, and it, and as I get older, it's just like it just seems like there's um, there's just more and more to learn. Like it never ends. Mm-hmm. You think that you're starting to get good at a topic, or you're st- really thinking that you might be have your head wrapped around it, and then it's just another rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah. Um, are there any topics that you've covered that you were like? you thought were just like completely outlandish and never believed in. And then after covering them for a while and listening to everybody's information, you've said, you know what? I think this might actually be true. No, actually I'm pretty solid. Like, uh, my, my ideals and beliefs and stuff like that, um, cons- really shake them. Mm-hmm. Like um, I, I have a basic principle where it's um, a lot of this stuff is just ineffable. People try to label things. People try to put things in little boxes. Uh, it's a way that human beings feel comfortable and make them feel like they have some sort of control in this insane universe. Right. But but for the most part, a lot of the experiences that people have are only subjective and they can't be repeated with anyone else. Mm-hmm. So in a way, to me, nothing is, is true, while everything is true at the same time. Wow. Which seems probably seems weird, but that's just, I think that's the way that uh, I get that from the Tao and from some philosophers from ancient Greece. Yeah, yeah, it's just, very Zen-like. Yeah, exactly. See, I don't want to limit my ability to uh, have wonder with, like beliefs. I don't want my wonder to be limited by beliefs. And I don't want to have like experiences be filtered through these conceived preconceived notions. Cause I think that that actually does affect them and changes them in a way that's not necessarily positive. Okay. So what do you think? What do you think consciousness is? I think that consciousness is one giant pool inside of, everything that's all things in an, in like an infinite universes, infinite beyond imagination, all of it's the same thing. And consciousness is like God. The universe is God. It's all the same thing. And we're just a little sliver of consciousness experiencing itself subjectively. Yeah. I, that's actually the same model that I go by. Also, I think that there was some type of consciousness that existed in, the only way it could possibly understand itself, it has to fragment itself and kind of learn what it is from the outside. Absolutely. But you can also see, too, it's pretty much self-evident in both human beings in the animal kingdom and uh, in nature itself. There's this desire to create and to, like, build things like with animals it's not necessarily on the same level but they do have children and you know depending on what type of animal they're going to have shelter or something like that but there's a there's a, a need to create within like all life and i think that the pool of consciousness god the infinite whatever has the same thing so yes like what you said is true but also on top of that i'm just throwing those sprinkles on the like on the icing mm-hmm. So, um, when it comes to God, what do you think God is? Like, how do you think God came into being? I think that that's beyond human comprehension in our current state of evolution. 
Do you think that God is a singularity or some type of... You think God is a singularity or something that's circular, some kind of cycle? I can't put any definitions on God, from my point of view at least. Hmm. To me, there's nothing that isn't God. Well, I agree. Everything would have to be God if God created everything from himself. Yeah. So that's the only logical way to approach it. And I also think that my tiny little human brain can't really can't really put that together in a way that would be be anything resembling objectivity. What do you think of people who think they have put it all together? I think that it makes them feel very safe. Well, not necessarily literally saying that, just um, overall, in a metaphorical way, it makes them feel safer and, and feel better. Right. Yeah, I, I guess for me, I, I understand that. I also noticed like some of, some of my guests who do that, I think it's um, an ego thing. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. That they're trying to push their agenda on other people to build their own ego and to make their opinion, almost to give validity to their own ideas by using other people. Which is funny, because if you have to break down something else to push your thing, that actually kind of makes your thing, like at least in your subconscious mind, you already doubt it. Like, because if it wasn't a threat, you wouldn't care. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't, because you wouldn't need anything to validate it. Yeah. So your ego is pissed off that there's this other thing that makes you question the thing that you believe. So that thing's got to go. And this usually happens subconsciously. Nobody would ever admit it. Who's actually like acting like that. Um, so one of the things that topic is like, like you've covered a lot of the same stuff that I have. Um, what is your take on aliens and UFOs? So I think that it's impossible. Aliens don't exist. I think that UFOs have been here for forever. Like uh, you, you see them in ancient classical paintings. You see them in, in like caves, cave paintings. I think it's just something that that happens. Even the government has pretty much admitted to it. They're even releasing videos recently. The Israeli old commander of the military mm-hmm. who like worked with the space program, he admitted to them working with like a galactic federation and he even wrote a book on it yeah so it's like even the government's now starting to open up about it and it's like yeah that's a thing do we know what it is Mm, that's a different topic entirely (laughs) do you think there's going to be disclosure next month um i don't know maybe i hope so that'd be cool Hmm. i don't put much stake in it why do you think people turn to the government for disclosure rather than scientists? I don't know. <laughs> I think that I think that it should be scientists and I think that that entire field of study should be moved away from the government. I, and I agree. Sh- yeah. Cuz like you know, they're just going to throw their agenda. The reason why I, I sounded so like apathetic was like, I don't think they're going to do anything unless they can like push it for an agenda. Like unless they got some ace in their sleeve to do something with it, 
I don't because they'll never do it out of just benevolence or like decency. Right. What do you think is more dangerous? The aliens or the government? The government. Me too. Absolutely. If they if the aliens wanted to kill us, they could kill us anytime they want from space by pushing a button. These people can travel through space or bend time to go through the dimensions. Like they could end us in an instant. And they haven't. So yeah, the government, because it's controlled by stupid people. <laughs> not necessarily stupid people, but just like not good people usually yeah. go into government. Um, do you think the aliens want to help us or do you think they're just observing us? I think that some want to help us, yeah. Some probably would love to engage with us, but it's not allowed for some reason. I think that there's ones that don't care. I think that there's ones that would just look at us as an experiment. And then I think that there's a whole bunch that just would look at us as like a, a resource. What kind of resource? Say, for example, the from the reptilian lore, the reptilians feed off of psychic negative energy. So to them, we could just be a, a food farm because they could like make our world all this chaos, all this division and fear. And they're just sitting up there like having a burger, technically, like metaphorically. Mm -hmm. They're feeding off of us. Because if they wanted to take Earth from us, any alien could do it easily. The thing that I think stops them is that there would be other aliens that wouldn't be too happy about that. And it's not worth the conflict. Right. So they're more subtle. Mm. Do you, do you believe any of the stuff that David Icke says about the reptilians? So David Icke, I'm not the greatest David Icke person to talk to. I do know of him and knew, know of some of his work. His, uh, how the reptilians ship, shape shift and stuff, all that stuff. I don't think that he has that entirely accurate. And I'm not saying that I even believe in reptilians, just from the lore. Okay researched lore from everybody um i think that the the michael sarian's version sounds to be more accurate to me do you know who michael sarian is no no what is his version so his version of the anunnaki and the nephilim they the the reptilians are not in charge the reptilians were the race that they created after the first two versions of humans didn't work as to be servants. So in his version, they're like the the foot soldiers, kind of, for the Anunnaki. Hmm. And that makes more sense to me. All right. So, so, so you do sort of go along with the um, Zachariah Stitchin type of theory that the Earth was seeded? I'm incredibly skeptical about all of that. I do think that there's a lot of slivers of truth in there. And I, but you know, when it comes down to it, Zachariah Sitchin, man, he'd bend over backwards just to put his own like biblical narrative around his, his work. And that's a lot of confirmation bias to do that. So that alone makes a lot of his work to me not credible. Mm -hmm. But I, at the same time, that you don't just throw out a genius, you don't throw out all the work, you just got to take it with a grain of salt. Right. Where do you think, do you, do you believe that humans came through like Darwinism? Um, I am open to multiple choice 
options concerning that kind of stuff. One of the best ones that I like actually is that a lot of it is through like uh, the collective unconscious and the gods being the archetypes in our collective unconscious. And, you know, thoughts can change genetics. So a lot of their, a lot of the stuff that's said in those stories is a, a metaphor for what they were doing to us esoterically. It's more of an esoteric story. Hmm. Whereas, yes, all that stuff happened, but not in the sense is that in like a physical sense, like they were here. Uh -huh. They're more so and like on the mental plane or like in the astral plane or, right. you know, the esoteric realms. So that, would that be more aligned with like the uh, Hindu Vedas? Yes, it's very similar. Okay. But I'm also open to the alien stuff. Like I, I like to think that that, because people don't like that because they say that it kind of makes humans look bad because then it makes us seem as slaves or whatever. And that we were just created to do work. It's like, oh, well, you didn't read any of the stuff about Enki then because Enki's awesome. And Enki hooked us up with all of our genetics to become gods if we want, mm -hmm. at least according at least according to the, you know, the lore. Hmm. Um. <laughs> but when it comes so, down to evolution and stuff like that, I do believe in natural selection. Uh -huh. Evolution is just a theory. And there has been enough genetic leaps that don't make sense for such big changes in in a homo sapiens sapiens did you know that we've been around for 300,000 years unchanged there uh, were bones that were discovered not that long ago in morocco so i i, I mean i've heard even further back actually well um, i mean mainstream yeah yeah i mean i heard that that far as mainstream goes yes but um like the beginning of the episode i asked you if, if you if there's anything that you've looked into that changed your mind and the reason I answer that is because for me, the one thing that I didn't believe before starting my podcast was about Atlantis and this oh, ancient yeah. race of humans that were super advanced. I just said, "Oh yeah, it's just some I love Atlantis. Some, something that that Plato came up with," and, and and I just thought it was make believe. But now, the more I learn about our history and how. How much of, first of all, that I've learned that was completely wrong, you know, and how little we actually know. Mm -hmm. Now, know now, now I believe it. Now I believe that there was an Atlantis and it, it may have been wiped out or scattered or whatever. And, and some of that result is, is us now. Yeah, we're the, the, the remnants, the revenants. <laughs> we rebuilt civilization from scratch. Yeah, or at least in part. You know, it could be a combination yeah. of Atlantis, aliens, and evolution all mixed together. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, just to okay. choose one seems kind of silly. Yeah, I think that it's, it's uh, like you said, a cascading, like, litany of all different factors coming together. Um, so how far back do you think human history really goes? Beyond that, what's been proven? Like, if you were to what estimate I, it, if I'm if I'm talking about belief, it's not going to be very interesting. But mm -hmm. if I'm talking about like ideas that I'm open to and that I like to entertain, yeah. I think that we might even go all the way back to Mars. I think yeah. we might have destroyed Mars and came here. Very and, possible. And I don't think, 
Yeah. Because if you see Mars, one side of Mars is like totally devastated by stuff that looks like missiles. Well, not not like missiles, but like the impacts of missiles and mm -hmm. stuff. And it's like all on one side. And it's just uh, as asteroids and meteors don't do that. That looks like war. Hmm. Interesting. I, I do think that there's a connection between us, Mars, and even something on the moon. I, I, I'm not going to rule out that that there's possibly some type of basis on the moon with ancient humans on it. Yeah, the, the moon actually rings if it gets hit hard enough, as if it's like a, not like it's hollow, but like part of it's hollow. Yeah. Which is bizarre. Very bizarre. Um, yeah, I think that there's something going on there too. Do you think? But it's just hypothesis. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that, that, that has convinced me about Atlantis, though, is, um, you know, Plato's description of it. And then one of my guests mentioned something called the Eye of Africa. And I looked at that, and I said, wow, that looks a lot like what uh, Plato is describing. And then so another guest of mine mentioned a place here in the United States called uh, Poverty Point in Louisiana. Also has the same exact design to it. So, you know, I, I do think that there must have been some group of ancient humans that, that created these structures maybe to try to retain the memory of a civilization that they had. Yeah, it could have just been us too. Like could've. a former version. Because the you know the Sphinx, it has water erosion on it that couldn't have been possible mm -hmm. if, unless it was uh there's two different dates. One is 10,000, one is 12,000 years ago. And a civilization that would need the sophistication to build the Sphinx would have to be pretty advanced. Um, That's Graham Hancock who, yeah. who said that. Uh, if this is true, what do you think happened to the technology that we once had? Well, I think that people underestimate just how quickly Earth just takes everything back. Like, um, like it just swallows everything up. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the span, when we're talking about this, the eons that the Earth has been around, I mean, the the poles have changed, water rises, water, you know, ice caps. Everything is always changing. And even if in just like a stable area, like we're, or a stable time, in the Earth's history like we're in right now. Like if if we got wiped out and no humans were left, there would be very little left of to of our evidence mm -hmm. for I'd say like a hundred, two hundred years. How about, that, how about the knowledge though? The knowledge, that would be depend if there were sacred places where the knowledge was stored. That's why the ancients they made their like all, everything we make in the modern times. It's like all built to break. It's not going to last. Right. They made the most beautiful monuments of a uh, of human success, and we don't have that. So our knowledge isn't going to last. Hmm. 
But something to me it seems like our memory was almost erased, or something was shut down in our DNA. Yeah, totally. I think that we our DNA's been screwed with many times. But it does it doesn't have to be like in a genetic lab though, remember? Mm-hmm. Your your DNA can get screwed with just through the mind. Yeah, yeah, definitely. My friend um Jared Murphy, he's been he's like a uh my regular co-host on his show. And his theory, he wrote the book, uh, It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. And his theory <laughs> is that we were put into safe mode. We wiped ourselves out. So somehow we we found a way to put ourselves into safe mode until we were ready for that knowledge again. Yeah. And to me, that that's like the best theory that I've heard. I think so too. That sounds nice. And I also think that many of the more benevolent aliens are just waiting for us to like raise higher in consciousness because they can't give us all this crazy technology when we're killing each other all the time and fighting over stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. It'd be like giving an AK to a monkey. <laughs> are you familiar with Stephen Greer and C5? Uh, Stephen Greer. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Uh, he has like the C5 movement where people sort of meditate and try to make contact with um, aliens through consciousness. That sounds awesome. It, it is really cool. And uh, and they get results. They, they use, he has this whole technique of where they, a group of people get together, try to like remote view the universe and, and connect with some aliens and try to give them like the coordinates to where they are in the universe, where we are in the universe and where we are on earth. And then what will happen is all of a sudden they'll start having unexplained phenomena of, of lights and, and crafts and stuff like that. That sounds like cultish. That's cool. It, it, it is in a way. Well, his whole thing behind this is that, um, that the government's never going to tell us and we don't want to no. and, and if the government are, are the first ones to really start making contact and, and working with his beings, we're, we're screwed. So we're better off doing it ourselves. Yeah. Well, I, I also think that the the aliens know what type of people they're dealing with when they're interacting with, with our governments of the world. Mm-hmm. So they're not necessarily going to like go through them to figure out how we're going to interact with each other. You know what I mean? Right. I think, in fact, they might remove a lot of the more scummy aspects of our society. <laughs> Um, not force, not forcefully, of course. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think they would need to. I mean, if, if everything is conscious and they're able to manipulate it, they could just change the way we are thinking. Well, then it violates free will. They're not, they're not about that, as far as I know, unless mm-hmm. they're on the dark side. Hmm. So, so you think they're not going to mess with our free will? I don't think that they will. No, they're only if we ask them to. Even in the case of us annihilating ourselves in nuclear war. In that, in that context, I think that they will violate our free will. Because I also think that we have had like many civilizations here on Earth. And I think that we've wiped each other out many times. And I think that the aliens keep on putting us back. Why do you think the aliens would even care about us? I don't know. Why do we care about our dogs? Why do we care about our pets and stuff? Well, they're cute. 
Yeah. We pet them. We hang out with them. Aliens are not hanging out with us petting us. Yeah, because they can't because everybody would go crazy. I don't know. I think that if we <laughs> if that did happen, though, I think that there would be world peace in like one second. Mm -hmm. Like all the all the nations would just be like, yeah, let's just all be cool and like do cool space stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's either that would happen or everybody would just start burning everything. What do you think about some of the alleged encounters that aliens have supposedly had with governments already, such as the Eisenhower Treaty or the uh, oh, yeah, meeting the between Valiant Thor? I think that they might have interacted with like some of the more nefarious types, but mm. I think that they also might have interacted with the the more noble types. And I think that it's the more noble types is the reason why we don't live in a dystopia right now. I think that they kind of rein them in a little bit. Have you looked into any um, other people, you know, people that can call themselves star seeds? Oh uh, yeah. I, I was told I, I'm a star seed. You are. I don't, I don't really buy into, I don't think that that's a health way to healthy way to think though. Like uh, also there's the whole indigo child stuff. Like, I, no, I'm just not into that. Cause it's, I don't want the, the, it's delusion to me. Not that, not like I'm calling people delusional. It's just, I don't want delusions of grandeur affecting mm -hmm. my judgment and how I live my life. Like, I don't care. I'm here to be human. You know what I mean? Right. I, I look at those things. I mean, at first I was skeptical and then I was curious and then I said, okay, there, there might be something to this, but I think maybe where things get confused is us trying to label a phenomenon that we can't understand. Yeah, we can't understand it. But from my point of view, if you're okay with the reincarnation, then the starseed phenomenon, yeah, sure. That's that's fine. Like you can just throw that right in there with it. Mm -hmm. Just reincarnation from different planets. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, what do you think the purpose of the Great Pyramid was? I think that Thoth is underneath it, and it's the doors to the halls of Amenti, where he keeps the sacred wisdom. Hmm. No, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I was just quoting like the Book of Thoth stuff. Uh, the pyramids, I think, they're they were trying to mimic the light coming from the sun. Like the top is supposed to be where the sun is, and then the pyramid going down is the rays of the sun. And it was definitely used for something of a, a tr um, like a ceremonial in a ceremonial manner. Hmm. And who knows, it could be magic, it could be a star port, it could be a portal, it could be any of those things. We really don't know because uh, you can't really go any far down to it now. They don't even allow you to explore it anymore. Well, I don't know. You know, I've, I, I do have, I have talked to guests that, that do go to the pyramid and are able to go in, at least into certain chambers of it. Yeah, I'm talking about real the real excavation. They don't mm. let you do it because like there's still so much that they don't know about it inside of it and whatnot. Mm. Have you ever heard <laughs> the theory that it was a giant power plant and it created free energy and that energy was distributed 
throughout the planet by the use of obelisks. That could be possible. That reminds me of Tesla. Yeah. Nikola Tesla. Yeah, that could work. Because if you look on the, like on, it's fascinating when you look at the, the, um, what are they called? The geometric lines on the earth where like all of the different mathematically, they all connect on each one of those points where they connect. There's like one of the monoliths. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. I forgot the legit lingo. Yeah. So yeah, it totally could be that. It makes sense. I, I it also is the, um, the other thing that you find all around the globe are these perfectly round spheres. Yeah, which also things, may have something to do with it. Those things are an anomaly. Hmm. I forgot what they're called, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Interesting. Um, how about the occult? Have you covered the, any occult stuff? I do, but I don't call it that. Eric, mm-hmm. I, I, I actually throw in a, a lot of occult stuff here and there where it's practical, practicable. And um, I think that occultism isn't as bad as people like to label it. It really just means hidden knowledge. Right. And with all things, you're going to have the good, the middle, the gray area, mm-hmm. and the bad, and everything in between. So yeah. there's going to be different scales of occult. And not all of it's bad. Not all of it's good. Some of it's really bad, though. Hmm. The reason I ask is because, like, the symbol for your show is sort of Kabbalistic slash Taoist. Yeah, it is. That's that's the what is that? I forgot what it's called. Uh, Metatron, the seal of Metatron. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's Taoist in, in uh, Metatron. That's sacred geometry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I like study everything when it comes down to fringe knowledge. That includes esoteric and occult lore as well. I actually know a decent amount about all of that stuff. Cool. Have you ever doesn't pra- mean I'm a practitioner. You haven't practiced any magic? I don't really mess with it, no. But I do meditate every day. Uh-huh. I just like the, to have the knowledge. Hmm. Interesting. I, I have episodes dedicated to Aleister Crowley. I'm on episode three of it, I think. Uh, They're spread out, though. But I I just go straight, like, hardcore occult in those. hmm. (laughs) Like, to the point where people who aren't really familiar with it, they might be like, what? Like, summoning shadow demons and blah, blah, blah. It's like, it's it's Aleister Crowley, so you know it's going to get pretty weird. uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I interviewed uh, Lon Milo Duquette. Oh, he's great. Yeah. That was cool. You do know that if I was an occultist, a real one, I wouldn't be able to admit it to you, right? Mm, Depending on what I tradition I may come from. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I mean, Lon talks about <laughs> a lot. A lot yes. of I guess that, that are practitioners of the occult are, are pretty yeah. open about it. You know, I mean, I know that there's still some some groups out there that still have like this inner sanctum type of thing. Philema doesn't have the same rules. Yeah, but um, but I don't know. I th- I I think a lot of that now is pretty much out in the open. You know, it's, it's all been published. Actually, most of it thanks to to uh, Alistair Crowley. Yeah, 
Well, unless you're uh, like Masons aren't really supposed to talk about it. They still do. But mm-hmm. there's still there's still organizations where it's a no, no. You're basically just supposed to walk in the world as a normal person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about the secrecy stuff. I mean, I understand it. My, my view, and I think the view now that of a lot of my guests I've had an idea of secrecy is, and it's even been part of my own experience, is um, if you're not ready to know or understand some certain type of occult wisdom or practice, you're not going to understand it. You're not going to get it until you're ready. Mm-hmm. So, so the idea of keeping it secret isn't going to make a difference because it's going to keep it's, it's going to keep itself secret from you mm-hmm. until you're ready. Yeah, totally. Like you're not going to understand it until you're ready to understand it. Mm-hmm. It's more so just uh, having it being a secret is what a lot of the, it goes back to the hermetic tradition, especially yeah. all the way back to its foundation. Like you're just not supposed to talk about it with people who are outside of it. Mm-hmm. I think that was people just trying to keep it for themselves. Cause I think the most dangerous thing to people that are in power in the religions and in the government is the occult is, is people realizing. <laughs> yeah. Is, is people realizing yeah. how much potential they actually have to create. Yep. And how much they don't control. understand just how big their brain is or their yeah. mind, I should say. Yeah. So, so I, I think it's about just keeping people small. Yeah. And but then again, there's also the very other practical side of it of being keeping things secret is that there's no witch hunts. Your reputation is intact. You you can still write books for these people. You can still go do this for that. You know, you, your family doesn't come at you calling you a, a devil worshiper. So there's still practical reasons to be secret outside of the, the old fashioned, you know, keeping it secret mm-hmm. within the, the orders. I understand that reasoning. However, um, I don't know. All the greatest minds in the world have suffered ridicule, ridicule from their peers. It's true. You know, it, 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 it's part of the deal. And if you don't suffer great ridicule, you don't have a great mind. <laughs> exactly. No. I probably don't have that great of a mind then. <laughs> no. You're brilliant, I can tell. No, definitely not brilliant. Um, one of the other things that you have covered, I see on your website, is the Nephilim. Now, the Nephilim, I've heard so many different theories, from the biblical ones to the alien ones, to demonic ones, to interdimensional theories. You know, I, I've heard so many to me now that to me is just a label for that people attach to things that they don't understand. Yeah. See, because there's two things. There's exoteric knowledge and there's esoteric knowledge. And depending on what paradigm you're coming from, you're going to translate information completely different. And a lot of the information that we've gotten from the Nephilim has been exoteric translators. Mm -hmm. But when it comes, if you look at my series, I think I did nine episodes on it. I literally, yeah, I went over every single form of the Nephilim I could find. Wow. 
because they actually go back all the way to Samaria. Mm -hmm. Basically, all of the stories you find in the Bible originate in Samaria in the Near East. Right. Which was fascinating when I discovered that. <laughs> I but that doesn't take it, anything away. No. It makes it cooler. It does. Because <laughs> it, it does. makes it universal. Yeah. And that's one of the funny things, too. You know, people think that the Bible is so unique. But but those same st those same stories existed in Samaria. You find those Zoastrian area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you find Zoastrian, everywhere. Egypt. Yep. And it's what what it is is it's really an amount. The Bible is an amalgamation of all of the stuff in the area mm -hmm. turned into one thing, which is, which is incredibly fascinating. And it like I said, it it doesn't lower the worth of anyone's religion. It makes it cooler and it makes it more valid in my point of view because it's a universal truth mm -hmm. if we could only if everybody could only see it that way <laughs> now nah, because they well they got to have their little boxes man they got to fight over their little boxes and their categories that are meaningless and fuck those boxes <laughs> yeah <laughs> you and me we like the shatter boxes all right um yeah it's, it's an interesting one i yeah, I, I, I just think it's a crazy labeling. Another thing you cover that I cover quite a bit is um, ghosts and the hauntings and paranormal. Now, oh, I love ghosts. Now, have you ever done any ghost hunting? Yeah, I've done it by myself. Have you ever had any good paranormal mm -hmm. experiences or collected any evidence? I have gotten a creepy picture and an orb once, but I didn't see anything. Mm-hmm. Nothing creepy happened. Uh, I, I took a picture. I could show you the picture. I'll email you the picture. Awesome. It looks like a guy with a gas mask on, but he's like almost all see-through. Uh-huh. But uh, when you outline him, like with editing it with Photoshop, you can totally see him and he's just like standing there. Wow. Where was this at? It's in Napa in like the refinery section over uh, East Napa. There's like a bunch of old refinery, like machine area. And I just, I walked into it. Hmm. In Napa. That's interesting. Wow. Um, so, so what is your take on the paranormal? Is you just sort of look at Paranormal. that as, 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 as another? <laughs> oh yeah, it's definitely a real. Um, yeah. But do, do you look at it as just another mislabeling of unexplained phenomena or do you view it as um, souls? I think that it could be both because I have seen things that made me go, what the hell and changed and didn't change. Cause I, ever since I was a kid, I've always like been the same, but mm -hmm. I have seen some things that made me be like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> Not anything crazy, like in a movie or anything. Uh -huh. Like one time, this this chick, she broke up with me, and I was like up at uh, this cabin in Berryessa, just bawling my eyes out, crying like I was doing man crying. And I was just drinking heavily like a motherfucker. And I was just super sad and bummed out. And I, and I see this box just slide all the way across the, the floor to the other side of the room hmm. on its own. And that's basically the, the biggest 
interaction I've ever had with an actual like paranormal experience coming down in that manner, like, uh-huh. you know, like a ghost in a ghost type manner. If you were upset, though, I would put that probably under the category of telekinesis. I I think that like a poltergeist kind of thing. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that my trauma, like my emotional uh, chaos yeah. caused caused it to happen. I don't know. I'm not saying I did it, but I definitely attracted something to do that. Right. Or, or you just did it. You know, like, I, I, again, like I mentioned, like, I think these are some of the things that they want to hide from us is that are, we have these abilities and they don't want us to know. Yeah. there We have a lot of abilities they don't want us to know. We don't even really need any of those medications that doctors give us. We do need medical treatment. I'm not saying we don't need medical treatment. But with, with them, it's more of a business. And instead of telling you ways that you can heal yourself so you don't need the medication, they don't want that. They want mm-hmm. you to come back and get more pills. Get your <laughs> pills, man. That's what they so want. All- um, so what do you think of um, when, when it comes to through the spirits? Um, like I know my first paranormal experience, I, I was, a, I, don't know, I guess I was probably, I don't know, I don't know how old I was. I know I had a paper route, so I guess I was maybe 10, 11, something like that, because I was delivering papers, and I was going through, one of the places I delivered a paper to was, oddly enough, was like a, a freaking factory, and I was riding my bike through this factory, and the parking lot was empty, and all of a sudden, I looked over and I saw my grandmother just sort of gliding. She wasn't even walking; she was gliding, <laughs> and she just looked over at me, smiled, and waved, and just kept on going. That's trippy. Yeah, and, and of course, I, I told my parents. They're like, "Oh, don't talk about that," you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't tell people. Don't and, tell anyone. And ever since then, I've been really interested. I used to belong to a paranormal group, and. And I've experienced all kinds of cool stuff. So I'm a firm believer um, that there's a whole bunch of stuff, a whole world right around, probably in the same room as I am, that I'm not able to perceive. Yeah. In the the Talmud, it says that you you usually have like 10,000 demons to your right and 1,000 to your left at all times. That's Kabbalistic. Mm-hmm. Demons. Do you think demons are evil? No, not necessarily. I think that they can be good, evil, and anything in between. Because you, you got to look at the categorization that they've been placed in, which is fully Christian, mm-hmm. which took all of the pantheons of other gods and religions and just called them demons. And um, the word daemon was an entity that was a spirit and entity from ancient Greece, which is where the name comes from, they weren't considered bad. They were considered good, bad, and everything in between. Not only that, each and every individual person had their very own daemon. So no, I don't think demons are bad. There are bad demons, absolutely, but not all of them. Okay. So you're using the words good and bad. From a Taoist view, there really wouldn't be no good or bad. No, it's the same thing. Yeah. So, so, so from that view, you know, it's just another expression of the source. But are your listeners used to like hearing morality being talked about in a more realistic way? Yeah, mine are. 
I do it all the time. Be here yeah, so, every episode, probably. So bad isn't inherently better than good. Good isn't inherently better better than bad. They're the same thing. They're just different pol- polarizations of them. Mm-hmm. They're opposites. Like hot one isn't inherently yeah. One isn't inherently better than the, the the universe does not care about that. You know, and you know what? Even I'll say it too. When it comes to God, that's the same thing. You got to have a balance of everything. When you when you focus on one thing or only want one thing, if you get your way, everything else goes away. That thing you wanted disappears because it doesn't have anything to contrast against. Right. So in a way, evil is necessary. Yeah. Have you ever read the, uh, I'm going to pronounce it wrong, the Kibabalan? The Kabbalion? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've read it many times. How how do you think that compares with what is said in the Tao? To me, they seem very similar. You can tell that two it different was completely traditions. inspired by the Tao. Completely. Because the Kabbalion is a, it wasn't written by the two initiates as it says it is. It is actually a very recent publication and it borrows somewhat from Hermetic traditions, but is mostly all Taoism. Hmm. And yeah. a lot of people in, in occult communities actually, they laugh at the Kabbalion. That's what they give to the new people, like the very brand new people. Huh. I don't know. When I, fir- when I first read it, it, it really s- struck like, like, like that's what it hit me with, though, is that idea that um, there's no difference between polarities. Absolutely. And that's true. But what is what I mean by that is it's uh, it's not like an original work of literature is what I'm saying. Like mm-hmm. you can find any of all that in hermetic texts oh, going yeah. back bazillions of years. And the thing is, too, that they don't give you in the Kabbalion is they have all of these, you know, these grandiose sayings of you can do this with your mind if you have this. But then there's nothing practical in the entire book. Mm. So it's like, it's basically the perfect thing just to throw at the new people because it's just all this grandiose stuff to pump them up and and get the, which getting these ideas in their head is good if they're going to be into that stuff. But at the same time, you can't really do anything with it. All it is is like philosophy. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a favorite piece of spiritual literature? I have a whole library here I could look at. I don't think I do. You have like one favorite? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think I do. Hmm. I was about to just say I go with the Art of War, but the Art of War isn't <laughs> a spiritual book. It is in its own right, definitely. I do like uh, I read a book a week, so I devour esoteric stuff mm-hmm. all the time. I do love reading that stuff. Hmm. Like, because once you get into like this philosophy and you know esotericism, it's like any other book is just dull. Right. I have several that I really like. One, What's your favorite? Well, there's a couple that I would sort of put. One is the Tao Te Ching, 
the other would be um, Autobiography of a Yogi by Yogananda. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. And I would say like the, the, those are my, my, my probably my two favorites. I think I could read those over and over and over again and never get tired and always find something new. It's hard for me. I can't pick out a favorite. I like them all. Hmm. I usually just reread a book if it's been like years. Uh-huh. I don't read reread a book over and over again, like consistently within short periods of time. Yeah, I mean, th- those are the only two books that I probably read. Maybe I read them each once a year. So, the Tao is definitely something that everybody should l- listen to on an audio book form while driving and <laughs> like in traffic and shit. <laughs> Why do you say that? Because it can take no matter where you are in your head, man. You turn on the Tao, like especially if it's got cool music and a cool guy like reading it. It's just your peace. You're just at peace immediately. I've never even listened to an audio book. You never listened? Oh, I'll, I'll email uh, it to you. No, I got I, a copy of it. I, I read the old fashioned way. Yeah, but in your car, you need an audio book. <laughs> I can read and drive at the same time, man. <laughs> I, I have. You, I have. These, are you an alien? How many no, eyeballs you got? But I have. I have opened up all my psychic channels. Uh you see with your chakra eyes. Yeah, so I can I, I can close I can be reading, driving, sleeping, and at work all at the same time. You need to teach me that skill. That's awesome. It's, it is very useful. And, uh, so what what do you think about astral projection? Ah, astral projection. Um I mean it's definitely real. Uh you know, I think it's easier for some people to do than others. Uh, I think there's a lot of valid techniques to do it. Um, I mean, I, I, I think for me, the two ways that have worked best are sort of when I'm in between, like being awake and dreaming, you know, and that, that, that sort of gray dream state. Or the other way that that seems to work for me too is using binaural beats and just changing oh, yeah, my that's bra- great. and changing my brain frequencies to theta and going from mm-hmm. there. The only problem I have with that technique though is remembering because <laughs> <laughs> it takes me it, it just it almost like knocks me out. It's almost like a, a drug trip almost. So you you what kind of experiences have you had? Um. I'll say with the dreaming stuff, I've you know I've had like the actual reason one of the ways ways I know with with dreaming, sort of is one is flying, you know if I'm able to make myself fly, that means I have some type of control, um, and when I'm interacting with, sometimes I wouldn't even say humans like like with with just some other forms of consciousness that I've never. It, Inter- interacted with in my regular day life. When you astral project, have you ever like come across any like scary astral entities? 
No, not scary. No, but but I don't know. I'm kind of beyond this this fear thing. I don't really feel it anymore. Um, I feel it for a second, and then it's, and but then I'm once I'm not scared from like a, a jump scare, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't really have that anymore. Um, I, I would say like one of the weirdest ones I had, or or, or, or actual production wise, was I was flying. And somehow I knew I was somewhere above, I don't know, Pencil, it was Pennsylvania. Somehow I knew I was flying over Pennsylvania. And some, some kind of entity was with me, and, and we landed. And there were, like, these little midget houses, like, like for short people. And I could look in, and there was, like, the, you know, it was, like, what looked like almost, like, gray aliens in there living in these little yeah. houses, living normal lives. And whatever was with me, guiding me, said, you know, don't let them see you. It's okay to watch and for you to see them, but it's not okay for them to see us. That's bizarre. I wonder why. And, it, uh, would they come get you? You think? No, I, I, I think maybe it had to do with just being polite. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I, I think it was more of, you know, this is how you do it. And, and, and this is, Sort of like the rule of conduct for this. Mm-hmm. It's it's okay for you to watch, but don't disturb them. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and and, and that's one of the things that that also makes you believe one that that I was probably being accompanied by something real. And plus, it was it was a place. It was, none of it was anything that I've ever encountered before. Like when I dream, I always dream about people I know, places I've been, stuff like that. Mm. Or I can find a symbology in it that where it's pertinent to my regular waking life, where I know it's just my brain processing data. How about you? Just let it. Hmm. I'm not very successful at it. No, I start to I get to the point where like I'll, you know, like the vibrating starts, and then like something scares the shit out of me and just knocks me out of it. And I'm not I'm not afraid after I get scared, mm-hmm. but it's just it ruins it, and that happens to me basically every single time that I get to the vibrating stage. Wow, have you, and you've tried it with the binaural? Yeah, I looked up what it might be too, and it's called the lurker at threshold. Huh. Not necessarily. It could be some people see it as like an entity not allowing you to do that. But then another book that I read, which was fascinating, said that it's actually your subconscious. Like stopping you because it's trying to protect you. And it's like, don't don't do that. But it does it in any way it can, which can be like somebody knocking on the door, being like, please open up. And then you're like, oh, shit, what? And you get up to open the door. No one's there. Hmm. It was all in your head, but it's, it's, it could be that like the, the lurker at the threshold works in any way you can think of. It could be like an old hag, anything to just scare you and knock you out of the focus to do it. Have you tried drugs? Um, like ayahuasca or something like that? No, I have not done that. I do want to really bad though. I want to do DMT. Huh. Like maybe that'll get you past that. 
Uh, yeah, I, but I'm pretty sure from what I've read, it's something to do with my subconscious and I, and I don't know what it is. I don't know what the fix is what I mean. I just get this shit scared out of me when I get close and then that's it. <laughs> How about hypnosis? Like uh, you're talking about like a hypnosis meditation? Oh. Like a, Have somebody hypnotize you so that block is not there in your subconscious anymore. Yeah, but you got to find somebody to do that. Michael Mesmer could do that for you. Does he live in, in um, the Midwest? Um, no, he could do it probably over Zoom for you. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, he's he's good. He, he, he's been doing hypnosis for like 60 years. Very experienced. Uh, I'd love to do that then. Yeah, he could definitely do that. Tell him to... To make the block go away. Yeah. yeah he, or, or whatever. He could do it. He, he definitely could do it. Yeah, that'd be dope. Or maybe I could do it. Uh, you can hypnotize people too? Oh, I could look it up. <laughs> I'm, a very ever, I'm a very confident person. <laughs> have you ever done a past life regression? No, I, I have not. Is that those are real? Um, so I have a regular guest on my show. His name is uh, Jason Deboard, or he goes by the name Rad Al. And, he, you know, I, mean, I, I totally agree with him that if you're going to do a past life regression, it's best to do it alone with a guided meditation from YouTube or something like that. When you're doing it with some of these therapists or people that do it, I think they can mislead you. Yeah. What do you think? I think that maybe if, if it's the person that really knows what they're doing. Like I just finished this book, which was batshit crazy. It's called The Convoluted Universe. I'm on book two of it I've by of it. Uh, Dolores Cannon. And that's all she does the entire book. She's <laughs> just, yeah. I, I've interviewed fucking crazy. I've interviewed about forty people from Dolores's publishing company. Yeah, she it's she. That's all she does in the entire book. Hmm. And she gets stories of people from Atlantis and this and that and all anything you can think of. Wow. So have you have you tried it? Have you have you? I have done it to myself once. And what did you find? Um, like I was a woodcutter and like it was like 1600s England or something like that. I don't know. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, like it jumped like decades. So it wasn't just like I was there. And then like my son died and I was really sad. And then I got stabbed in the rain. Like, like robbed. Oh, that sucks. And that's all I saw. Hmm. It was just like flashes, which I'm not even sure was real. That's just what popped up into my head when I was doing the meditation. Hmm. I've always, if I could go back, I mean, I'm just hoping I was a pirate. <laughs> I would like to have had a past life as just a marauding looting, dirty, 
Free love and pirate. Oh man, I don't know. Because even if I could, it's a lot of scurvy. Even if I could live, go like 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 say I I I die in this life and could pick whatever time and thing I could be, that's what it would be. You would have to be in one of like the cleaner pirates, though. I don't care about clean. I'm a dirty person. Scurvy, Uh, dude. (laughs) You know, I've I've had all those things. You know, like with the stuff that we talk about, there's always going to be certain people like kind of ridiculous. And I remember when I've talked about like in like groups in the past, talked about reincarnation stuff. There was always those people who were like, I was Cleopatra. Mm -hmm. I was I was this famous person. I was this famous person. I was that famous person. And in my head, I'm just like that. Just you're just telling everybody you're lying. Like. No, <laughs> you were just a normal, you were probably just a normal everyday person because that's statistically what you probably were. Yeah. I don't know. I just, when I see stuff like that, the kind of like more loopy type of people, mm-hmm. I just kind of, I'll, I'll talk to them and be kind. I'm not, I'm not a dick at all. But in my head, I would be like, yeah, okay. Okay, Cleopatra. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've had some interesting ones too. Um, you know, I, I let my listeners listen and decide for themselves. Um, I mean, I had, I did have one guy, and he was just total cheesy, and he's famous too with the past life stuff. What did he say he was? It's not who he said he was. It's he, he was a, 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 a past life regression hypnotherapist mm-hmm. and his whole presentation and everything was just like something out of the 1970s. <laughs> it was just, it was just, you know, it was just weird. Is that bad? Yeah. Yeah. It was, I don't know. Like, what do you mean? Like I'm trying to imagine it. He was like a, a used car salesman. <laughs> so selling selling his past life regression therapy. Oh, okay. I don't know. I came across some information like three years ago where it said that if you were aware of past life regression therapy, <clears throat> excuse me, if you were aware of past life regression therapy, then it actually didn't work. Hmm. It only works on people who don't expect it and who aren't aware of it. Yeah. I don't know how much truth there is to that, but I did come across that. And that made me think like, so basically just knowing about it ruins it, which didn't really make sense to me. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me either. Because if that were true, that would almost discredit everything I know. Well, it doesn't make sense. Like, where do, where do they come across this logic that that would be a thing? Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. The logic just doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I never really thought I, I never really believed that, but I thought I always thought that that was an interesting point that I'd never seen made anywhere else. Hmm. So basically, that lady was saying, "All you guys who are into this, you're all posers," <laughs> and I bet nobody likes her. She's not invited to the past life regression parties. Wow, yeah, that's weird. 
I don't know. I, I, I do believe in past lives. I'm, I'm sure this isn't my, hasn't been my only life. Um, and I think that the past life experience is erased for a reason. You know, so I can, if, if it wasn't um, erased, then I wouldn't be able to learn whatever it is I need to learn in this life. And um, it would give you an unfair advantage, too. Yeah. And I think, like, when people do have memories of past lives, I mean, it's because they're supposed to. I, I just, I don't believe any of it happens by accident. Yeah. Do you know what that is? Or like people who have like uh, esoteric abilities and whatnot? Mm-hmm. Supposedly, that's because in your past lives, you've actually been working spiritually or esoterically and your soul has been growing from it. So in your next incarnations, you're actually just born with those abilities. Yeah. And that makes sense to me. Like when I see someone like the Dalai Lama, I totally believe that he's been the Dalai Lama before and that he's just reincarnating to try to help people. Yeah, well, his sect aren't, aren't allowed to go on to nirvana until every single soul has become enlightened. Right, that's the whole bodhisattva thing. Yeah, that's... that's. Yeah. I wouldn't have chose that one. I would have just gone to nirvana. Sounds way better. I don't know. Self-sacrifice, though, I guess. Well, I like it here. I, would come I like back. it here, too. See, people try and say that like the world's all evil, everything's all bad, and they're all complaining, and da 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 da. And it's like, no, dude, there's a huge balance, and you can't have the good stuff, the pleasant stuff, without mm-hmm. the bad stuff. Yeah, I mean, I would come back just for the sex and the rock and roll. Yes, absolutely. Over and over and over again, I probably yeah. have been. <laughs> yeah, just the same, the just same this- decade. The same, same, I'm just selfish. I'm like, man, I just want some more of that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's why I don't progress anywhere. <laughs> I'll, I'll be like the last one left. <laughs> the last one to go to Nirvana? Yeah. Ah, here he comes, <laughs> finally. He's finally had enough. <laughs> What's funny is in the in the esoteric traditions, that's it, they have a similar thing, but going to nirvana is is basically just like reunification with the godhead mm-hmm. with the the all it could be you know I've, well, I've, I've always wondered you know if everything returns to the godhead right mm-hmm. then what's it all for and what happens afterwards that that's sort of like the one flaw well, we i find, find with that we, you know, i believe that we are but I, I think our job is actually to become our own godhead and create so our own thing at some point. So I don't, I don't like necessarily like believe this, but um, what you're saying right now is is a theory that I've always like really liked. Mm-hmm. Is that we're becoming gods. So when the when, when we're done and everything returns to the godhead, we when we're done with our evolution, we become a godhead in a new universe or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And it goes on in infinity, in for mm-hmm. infinity. I really like that thought. And, and it, it makes sense too. In fact, with that, I mean, that's really the only way infinity could even be possible. I think I would rather like be a lower god though, instead of the godhead. I mean, maybe just like be like the god of like medicine and, and scribes and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something cool. Something that I can teach people. 
Yeah, I, I would be the god of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. <laughs> that would be me. Me and Keith Richards. <laughs> god. Yeah, that's that's really fun to think about. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what else is there? I don't know. Oh, Do I, like, I, I like food, fun. too. Oh, yeah, food's great. Yeah, like different types of food is cool. Do you subscribe to the any of the uh, occult stuff? Like not necessarily like belief, but consider that they could be possible. Oh, absolutely. Like, how, mm-hmm. like when it comes down to the hermetic genesis, how basically all reality, when it's, when it's all breaking apart and everything, we're just literally slivers of light that are like trapped in darkness. Yeah, I, I, I do. It's no different than uh, the holographic universe theory. What's funny is that the holographic universe theory is super fucking occult. Very much so. <laughs> the the guy who came up with it is an occultist. Quantum physics is super occult. Yeah. Like all, I, I love because like, I, I like science a lot too. So it's like you see these similarities between these like mystic traditions with mm-hmm. science and you're just like, mm, yeah, I like to see that. Yeah. Well, actually, tomorrow morning, I'm doing um, an episode with uh, this guy, Dr. Paul Mosham, Sarafarazi. And he has written a paper called Quantum Mechanics of the Cosmos. And uh, so we're going to be going over that tomorrow. And he's like a quantum physicist, and he's also like a spiritualist. That's how you got to do it. And uh, it's really, really cool stuff. So so my mom is a physics teacher and a chemist. Mm-hmm. Really good education because of her. And she's very smart. She's a genius. And wow. one of the things that she told me was basically what you just said. Like in order to be a true scientist, you also have to have your foot in philosophy and you also have to have your other foot in spiritualism. Mm-hmm. Not in spiritualism as in spirit, but being spiritual. And if you are in all three of those paradigms at once, you are a true scientist. Hmm. Interesting. So yeah, my mom would say. Mom. My yeah, mom worked. Super... My mom worked for Einstein. Nice. Yeah. It's crazy. She was pretty. You smart know what he too. said? He said a lot reality of is just an illusion. Yeah. He, he. I mean. I mean. He was basically the same way. He definitely agreed on. Um, the merging of uh, philosophy, science, and everything all is one. You need all three to be a real scientist. Also, did you know that he had on his desk in every office he ever had, he had a copy of uh, The Secret Doctrine? Yeah. That's weird. People (laughs) don't know about that or talk about that. That's cool. That's hardcore cult book. (laughs) Madame Blavatsky. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's theosophy, but still, it's still very, very cold. Oh, yeah. It, it always is. It's amazing. Yeah. And I, I mean, it, it is what I like. I mean, th- that book is a really, it's a tough read. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the, just the text, uh, I think it's called The Book of Zion. It, it, it that sort of like just is which is like the basic text that she's trying to go through and use all this other occult stuff in it. 
It's actually a pretty easy read. It's a short read. It's really good. They have that's I I have not read that one yet. I'll have to get it. Yeah, yeah. Like, like you could read it in a night. A lot of those good books are pretty short, but a lot of them aren't. There's also some remakes of the Secret Doctrine and some of the other more cryptic and hard to read cult books that have been rewritten and updated for modern times. So they're much easier to read. Hmm. I just uh, finished one recently, uh, Manly P. Hall's Secret Teaching of All the Ages. Uh -huh. Yeah, there's an updated version that makes it much easier to read now. Because, yeah, those old cult books, man, holy shit. Yeah. You know what's another one of my favorites, actually, is um, what's that? Transcendental Magic and Ritual by Eliphaz Levy. Oh, yeah. Way ahead of his time. He was. His book, his high magic book is really interesting, too. Yeah, yeah. He, he was brilliant. What he had to say on, on necromancy was kind of, eh. <laughs> see about it. Yeah. I don't know. You know. I've actually covered, I've done like four episodes now on necromancy. Yeah, that's a pretty interesting topic right there. Yeah. I actually got kicked out of quite a few Facebook podcast groups trying to promote my necromancy episodes. Why? Apparently, people find it offensive. I, I mean, only one. Then don't look at it. <laughs> only one episode I did where the guy actually used body parts. But it was, oh my gosh! But he works in the museum, so he has access to, you know, human skulls and stuff. Mm -hmm. And actually, it was during that episode that I found out that a human skull will cost like five grand. Damn. And, and, and like all of a sudden, I'm thinking like, man, I, I got to go find an old cemetery and start digging up some skulls to make some cash. <laughs> That's fucked up. <laughs> thinking of money I can make. I'm sure I can make more money selling one human skull than I will with my podcast probably for the rest of my life. <laughs> it's so dark. It's grave robbing. <laughs> oh, it's not like it's being used anymore oh my god desecrative remains <laughs> I, I can't believe that people kicked you out for that oh yeah people these days man they're just so sensitive if you don't like something don't look at it well the podcasting here's a good one i mean the podcasting community is pretty weird don't you think like like people I would say, uh, especially, I don't know if you've encountered them, but the life coaches. Oh, uh, yeah, they're full of shit. Yeah. And, and, and the podcasting community is just inundated with them. Because people want an easy fix, but there isn't an easy fix. Yeah. And as soon as you say something they don't like, especially on Facebook or any social media, they report you and get you booted. How dare you say something that I don't want to hear, yeah. villain? Yeah, and, and they consider themselves successful because they've had fifty downloads. You know, you just can't trust those people. <laughs> no, <laughs> they're terrible. Like if they if they were being true and honest, they'd be like, "Look, practice it 
every day. And then when you have practice of 10,000 hours, you'll be good. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's like simplified, but they don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that they have to actually work hard and do stuff. No. So they give them these false hope and like this nonsense teachings. And like, sometimes it's kind of like, it pisses me off when I watch like, I get commercials for sometimes he pops up and he's like saying all this stuff. It's like you're a snake oilsman, salesman, snake oil salesman. Mm-hmm. It's just for naive people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, the, the answers to things are very, very simple. <laughs> you're going to get out of it how much work you put into it, period. <laughs> yeah. And nobody wants to hear that. Dedication, <laughs> consistent practice, endurance. Mm-hmm. How they many, don't want to hear that. Thing. How many episodes have you recorded? Uh, I'm in the process of recording number 50, I think, right now. 50. And they do them like once a month. Ah. Do you edit Because them? I got all kinds of other stuff to do. Yeah, I, I'm a one-man show. I do everything. Hmm. I do... I think I'm at 200... I, I just hit a year this year of doing it, and I'm at two hundred, like 220 episodes out now. It's awesome. Yeah, I've tried to put five out a week. I just have so much stuff to do. It's hard for me to do more than a month, than one a month. Yeah. But I have a goal, though. Eventually, I want at least one a week out. Mm-hmm. Eventually. Yeah. I'm just like a machine. Like... uh I'm recording this one tonight. I have one tomorrow at eight. And then Monday, I have five. Yeah, you're a rock star. In, in one day. <laughs> That's going to be. Make sure you drink lots of water. I do drink a lot of water and a lot of coffee. Yeah, man. Because your voice can get. I know what that's like. Well, it's just like talking like this. It's not so bad, though, because I'm the interviewer. I like to get guests that talk a lot. And then I can uh, just yeah. sit back and enjoy. That's a good point. But five episodes? Mm. That's still a lot of that's still a lot of voice work. You know what I did to be a solo uh, podcaster to be able to talk that entire time is I actually I got a book on to strengthen muscles in my like my neck and tongue muscles mm-hmm. and do like fucking exercises and shit so that I could do a whole episode without sounding like I was an old man. <laughs> you know, by like halfway through or something. Well. I guess I'm lucky because I am an old man. And my voice, I guess, is pretty strong because I used to play in a punk band. Oh, that's badass. So, you know. And, and now, like, doing that, though, is different. That's, that's difficult because after a few songs, I do start to lose my voice. So now talking seems easy. Yeah, but people don't really realize that the people who do podcasting like us like those are muscles that we actually have to strengthen is our our talking muscles. Yeah. People normal people don't ever even think that that's a thing you can do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just know it from from doing vocals, not even from Yeah, cuz you already have voice training. Yeah. Yeah. Um one of your other topics. This is my all th- oh, I, I'm saving the best for last. Bigfoot. <laughs> Bigfoot? What do you think? I think that Bigfoot, if Bigfoot exists, it's an interdimensional entity. And especially with the missing 411 stuff, like there's definitely some weird shit going on out there. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. Ron Moorhead. He, he's the guy from Missing 411 who yeah. did the Bigfoot stuff. I know Ron pretty well. I've had him on a few times. I think that there's something going on. I don't have any like defined objective like way of saying it's real or not real. But if it is real, I don't think that it's an animal. I think that it's an interdimensional entity. Right. I'm with you. I'm totally with you. I, I do think that somehow it's able to cross over and materialize in a physical form from another dimension because yeah. it's able to leave physical evidence, but it's not able to stay. Because, I mean, if, if, it, if that wasn't a thing for me, then I wouldn't believe in Bigfoot. But with, with him being able, like, being possibly an interdimensional entity, then yeah. I, I can have, like, I can uh, entertain the thought of he, that he's real. Especially with all the vanishings and weird shit people are seeing, man. Like, come on. There's something going on out there. Mm -hmm. What do you think of the uh, Patterson-Gimlin video? Uh, that old school one where he's like walking? Yep. So uh, I have seen information that debunks that, and I have seen information that proves it. I don't know what to think about it. I think it's real. And the reason I think it's real is because, because of Ron. Ron Moorhead is friends with Bob Gimlin. Then that just made me believe in it a little bit more. Yeah, that, 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 that's what did it for me. I mean, I always thought... You know, I, I mean, that it was, I I think it was like the hoax that video at that time would have been really difficult with what they yeah. had, you know? Yeah. Well, and, see, it's the smear campaign. These people are clever. Yeah. And, and I also believe when you talk about the missing 911, I did an episode very recently with, um, a friend, another guy, a Bigfoot guy, his name was um, Michael Denver, or Denver, oh, Denver Michaels, and we were talking about what could they possibly be hiding in national forests and national parks. Like, why do these have these national forests and national parks, but people aren't allowed to go in them? Why is there all this vanishing going on and no one's talking about it? It's a fucking better question. That too. There, there's something there though, because it all happens in these same places. Yeah. You know, it's are, all are, the national are, parks. Yeah. Are, 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 are the portals, are they being abducted by aliens? Are they just being captured by the government and being put into some kind of secret space program and sent off to recolonize another planet? Something's it's high strangers. Well, they come back. Like they, they disappear and then they come back sometimes too. Yeah, there is a, I know there was that one guy that came back. And like, where, where have you been? You've been gone for a week. Oh, I just, what, a week? I thought that was five minutes. You know, they don't even have a sense of time. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely high strangeness. Yeah, it does fall under that category. Do you think it's the government? Absolutely, I think it's government's involved. Because the government, when... The governments who made all these places, the parks and far, national, they're the ones who bought this land to begin with. Yeah, and if you, they have a history of doing really messed up stuff to the American people. Don't forget about MK Ultra and all that. Yeah, absolutely. 
I, I interviewed one, one of the people I interviewed was um, a participant in Project Stargate. Like their remote viewing program. Mm-hmm. They've done all kinds of crazy stuff. It's crazy how they tried to totally just like slander that, even though they had a lot of success. Why yeah. don't they want the public to know like anything? They just want us to live in this mundane zoo. So just so they can control us and use us as slaves. That's true. You know, the best slave is somebody who thinks they're free. Yep, and the best slaves that they uh they police themselves. Yep, and we've done that. <laughs> <laughs> they they messed us all up. Yeah, we're pretty fucked up. Yeah. Our, our subconsciouses are a mess because of the media and everything. Do you think that your podcast is a way to lead people out of it? Yeah, that's the whole point. I'm a, I'm a door. I'm a, that's why I don't go like balls deep into stuff usually because mm-hmm. I want to be more as a transition pod, like type of podcast, transitioning people to higher consciousness, to a wider, bigger universe. Like I'm a doorway is how I look at myself. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a doorway that goes to you. I, I, I mean, I, I, pro, I, I consider myself too, like very, doorway? not a door, but I definitely like even my mission statement for, on my website is like, you know, to provide um, non-biased information yeah. to people so they can get information that they may not have access to otherwise and make a decision for themselves. Because mm-hmm. um, nothing's going to change. I, I don't want to make decisions for other people. Because yeah, that, I, that, I'm not into telling people how to think. I don't like doing that. Yeah, that, that would almost defeat the whole purpose of trying to free people. Yeah. If, if people are listening to what I'm saying, then they're not actually being free. Because that actually offends me when people are trying to tell me these like, Things that are that's why I wanted to make my own podcast my own, like I said at the beginning of the, the episode here. I, it's because I don't like being told what to think. I don't like people throwing these things they can't prove at me as fact. Right. I mean, if if they if they do it in a way where they're presenting it in an intellectual way that doesn't offend my senses, like in that mm-hmm. manner, then I'm down. But don't tell me what to think. Right. So I would never do that to anyone else. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I, I try to encourage people to explore, to explore your own consciousness, mm-hmm. you know, through whatever means that you feel comfortable, people feel comfortable with doing. Um, go out and explore the paranormal. Um, shit, go outside at night and look at the sky and see if you see anything unusual. You know, just experience it for yourself and make your own decisions. Exactly. Because when it comes down to it, it's all extremely subjective. Yeah. And you can only understand it through experience. Right. Because it's going to be meaningless any other way. Yeah. You know. That's why it's not good to tell people about your spiritual experiences or psychedelic you know, experiences, any of that kind of stuff. Unless like you're with a buddy that you, you both like have mm-hmm. that kind of rapport. But when it comes down to an ordinary person or anything of that nature... You really should never tell them things like that. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I do always share like I, an experience that I did have. But mm-hmm. and it was during like an epileptic seizure kind of thing. And, and I was definitely like, like when we were talking about like the astral travel during this episode, I mean, I was just completely disconnected. And I was just in some void floating and there's color and sound. 
And it was so peaceful and amazing. Um, ever since I came out of it, you know, it's been years now. All I ever want to do is go back. That sounds awesome. And, and it, but it was the most reassuring experience I ever had that convinced me that I am not my body. And that's why, like I mentioned earlier, that I don't feel fear, fear anymore. That's uh, why. I And I felt that too. I'm right there with you. Things that other people are afraid of just like energize me and it excites me. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's absolutely nothing in this world or any other world to be afraid of. Um, I think that I can be afraid of mosquitoes and ticks. Other than that, though. Uh, I, I might have to go with fire ants. I freaking hate fire ants. Yeah. <laughs> Other than those things, yeah. I'm with you. <laughs> and, and that's like a whole aspect of control, too. As long as people have fear, they can be controlled. You take yeah. away that fear. That's why that's the reason why when people got their fear porn on 24-7 on their TVs that they get the best ratings in like the the of the year or whatever. It's because fear sells. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it's mind control. It's mind control. It it's yeah. slavery. It is mind um, slavery. Fear and money. Because we don't really need money either. No, it's made up. See, one of the other things that I thought was ridiculous is is like they they pump out all this fear when a time when people are, you know, getting sick, but fear lowers your immune system. So it's like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> I don't get it. I know you're evil fucking government hacks, but come on. It's just not helping, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. What do you think happened with COVID? Do you think it really came from China? I think that it was definitely made in China. I've done a decent amount of research on it, and I've even had an episode on it. Um, it was made in Wuhan, China, and this was around the time when they were starting to do democracy protests in China, right when that was starting to hit ahead. I don't know if you remember it, mm-hmm. but it was a pretty big deal. It was on the news and stuff because people were like starting to fight back against the, the communists demanding democracy and that was when covid was released i think that it was released on purpose this is my opinion i'm not saying a fact mm-hmm. i th- that's what i think mm-hmm. it was released on purpose interesting i think it started here in the united states how i don't know how but i do know and this was my own experience is that i had covid in december of 2019 I did too. So how could I have I caught it that early if it didn't originate here? Wait a second. That wasn't no a little bit early. Yeah, no, yeah. I did I, I had it in October. I couldn't get out of my fucking bed for like a week and a half. Yeah, it was horrible. I had a fever of hundred and five. Yeah. Me too. I went and got tested for the flu twice. They're like, nah, you ain't got the flu. We were walking <laughs> around with COVID, bro. Yeah. Before it was even out. Here in the yeah. United States. That's why That's I think true. it was here first. I think it started here. Oh, man. There's so much bullshit surrounding the information around all that. 
That's why I, I, I think we just used China as a scapegoat. Well, it was uh, it is it is factual that they were experimenting on Wuhan in the Wuhan viral labs. Oh yeah, that's yeah. that's a fact. Mm-hmm. I know that because two of the people who were working with them were from the uh, virus agency in Canada, and two of the CCP scientists were working with those Canadians mm-hmm. on the CCP. Yeah, on the virus in Canada. Mm-hmm. So it's actually, it was around and they were doing stuff with it way before the pandemic. Yeah. And you were probably doing something with it here in the United States too. My original thought was they released it because it totally just eviscerated all of the protesters for democracy. I I mean, yeah, I mean, that makes perfect sense. Excellent theory. Yeah. Um, Because communists do not like freedom. But what I don't understand is how... It was here so quickly. I didn't know. And, and why the government was, did, Why the government took like four months to say, oh, yeah, yeah, it's here now. Because they, they do it when it suits their agenda and is the most beneficial for what they want. Hmm. So I, I didn't think that it was COVID until like way later, though, because my, my girlfriend was like, remember when you were like all fucked up and sick? And then she was the one who put it in my head because I had I had the COVID symptoms, but it was like in October before COVID even came around. Yep. Uh, something to think about, man. I, I, th- yeah, I, I, I think I think it probably, I don't know, maybe all these governments were working together then. That's that another be, possibility too. That, I would not put that past them man, <laughs> at man. all. All, the, maybe all these governments got together and said, Release the COVID. Re- release the Kraken. <laughs> at their like darkened evil table. Because a lot of corporations, dark. a lot of corporations made money off of it. I even have like a darker theory. Oh, dude, the I, billionaires got became oh, all the rich people got hundred times richer during yep. it, and all the poor people and the mid class people got fucked. Mm-hmm. I also or, have what we, I also have another theory say? too. I have, um, you know how they want you know people to wear masks. Mm-hmm. What if they were using the mask? Like we throw our masks away, they go to the dump, and then they go around, they pick up all the masks, and then you have everybody's DNA, and they have enough DNA to colonize another planet. Oh fuck! It's possible. That's trippy. Yeah. Well, I mean. Wow. Yeah, they could totally do that, huh? At like places where there's a lot of people all organized in one area, like big buildings and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yep, it's just a big DNA collection campaign. So one thing I do know too that is confirmed by the CDC as well that people just don't really seem to know is that uh, my sister is a, a doctor and she's been working on this since the beginning. And the only masks that actually work to protect you against COVID is the ones that like that get you get from the doctors, the mm-hmm. ones that are specifically built for that. You can buy these over the counter. So it's not like they're not available. But these are the only types that actually work. When you're just throwing random rags over your face and stuff like that, that's like thinking that's like being in a pool and thinking that your pee when you pee in the pool will stay inside your suit. Yeah. It just doesn't work. 
But what it is good for is it's good for bringing peace of mind to people. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. I don't know what happened. Crazy. Crazy times we live in, man. It's interesting. Yep. Kind of enjoyed it. Yeah, it hasn't been too bad for me. Me either. Well, man. I'm in a homeless shelter and I have not had one death. (laughs) Not one. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, I did a good job. Hmm. Incredible. So before we wrap this up, where can my listeners find you? At crypticchronicles.com. It's an amazing website, by the way. Thank you. I'm also on YouTube, all all like social media and stuff. Like, look for me, I'll be there. I'm on all podcast hubs as well. Just look Cryptic Chronicles. I should be there. Cool. Well, I'll post a link to to your website in the notes of this episode so my listeners can check you out. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm pretty sure your listeners and my listeners are probably just the same people anyway. Yeah, they probably would like my content and my listeners will love your content. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Well, well, thank you for taking the time to be on today. Yeah, let's do it again sometime. I'll have something set up and ready to go to talk about. Yeah, sounds like a plan. Hang on one second, and I'm just going to play the outro. Cool. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs, and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you loved what you listened to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.